Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. With me today, I'm super excited to talk to this guest. Um, she is a TTRPG designer, uh, performer, GM of a great new podcast that had just come out. Uh, yeah, if you would like to introduce yourself. Uh, hi, my name is Gwen, otherwise known as Glitchy Pixie, other places on the internet, usually her pronouns. Um, and yeah, I'm a tabletop RPG uh, Swiss Army knife. I do it all, basically. Um, art, design, writing, performing, voice acting, um, and I am the GM for uh, Capricious Provenance, which is a new, uh, well, it was a home game, but so many people asked us about it that we turned it into something that you can listen to. So I'm a GM on that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, um, I've listened to the first, the, your, uh, like the recap episode, uh, if you will, and then um, some of the first episode. And the recap was so good because I think like, the way that it was designed, uh, I really loved because it was like this like radio interview and everybody's telling their stories from and from the perspective of their characters. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was super fun to do. We had to find some creative way to be like, oh, well, we have a the whole first part of the campaign is was not recorded. So how are we gonna do that? Um, <laughs> and that was that was our answer. It was very flavorful, very fun to record. Yeah. I mean, that's already better than what Critical Role did for uh, campaign one for years um, it was just like you just you just jump in and you just don't know <laughs> and there's like ah, we're not gonna tell you it's fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but anyway uh we can skip the cr talk so i would like to know how did you get into nerd stuff in general so um we gotta go way back um so my my first sort of dip into nerd stuff was i guess we have to take one step removed from actual like nerddom, mm. um, I think, in terms of like uh, like uh, entertainment media, mm -hmm. um, because the first thing I was ever a nerd about as a kid was uh, science. Okay, um, I was super into paleontology, yeah. um, which led into like zoology and mm. marine biology and stuff like that. Um, I was so about learning about animals even before like we were learning about anything in school so this i was like young young like toddler my uh my mother actually has a, a vhs of me uh that is labeled um gwen being a smart ass because uh there is a a student teacher came to our house to sort of um to sort of uh do some one-on-one -on -one mentoring and tutoring um and this poor woman made the mistake of bringing a book about whales. Mm. Um, and I knew all the names of the whales and I knew everything about them. So I wouldn't let her read to me because I was just busy telling her about the whales the whole time. Yeah. Um, so uh, that is where it started. But where it like, actually started, it was um, a friend of mine uh, got a Happy Meal from McDonald's and uh, that was when Pokemon started doing the promotions with McDonald's. 
and uh, they had uh, like little card packs in there. Yeah. And she was like, I don't want this. Um, here, you have it. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know what this is, but yeah. let me let me look into it. Um, and, you know, coming from like a little um, science-oriented kid, from like a kid who uh, I, I was the kind of kid who would go and collect bugs in my mm. parents' garden. And uh, I mean, that's where Pokemon started. Um, mm. ins- uh, the inspiration from uh, collecting bug collecting. Yeah. Um, and I found I was like, oh wow, the- this is this is a this is about creatures that evolve, which is fantastic. At in when I was in second grade, I was like studying the theory of evolution freeform. Mm. I was not asked to do this. I just wow. started doing it. <laughs> so what it what I saw applied to something that was fun. Uh, I was like, okay, this is my life now. Yeah. Um, and uh, I actually had to convince my mother to like let me uh, like watch the show and like get into it and like get into the games um, because she thought it was like violent, um, mm. which like eh, fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> super fair. Um, but uh, she let me get into it, and that just started my whole delve into video games in general, um, trading card games in general, um, and just like entertainment media in general. It also steered me in the direction of like being a visual artist because I would just want to be able to draw Pokemon all the time. Um, and that was easier than scientific drawings of real life animals. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool. Like, because <clears throat> I, I drew as a young kid too. And I think like, having those cartoons helped so much i mean i can think of so many different like i can you know drawing paws came from like lion king um hands and feet came from like beauty and the beast yeah um you know but i do remember because bulbasaur was my favorite pokemon uh, and i used to draw bulbasaur all the time yeah yeah and but yeah it's like the that the the cartoon form, right, is so much easier because it's it's not as detailed. And I think, but it it helps lead you into that stuff if it's something you want to pursue. Um, yeah, I'm curious though. So your friend gave you the pack, the Pokemon pack. Did she also yes. give you the coin, the gold plated coin? The the coin or the card that Burke? Or was it had? a card? Yeah, it was a card, right? That's what it was. Was yeah. It? Uh, so I did end up getting that from a different friend because McDonald's had the cards, but Burger King had the uh, had the like the little gold plate coin yeah, yeah. that you mm-hmm. had to pay for too. Um that was when you had to like pay a little extra for, <laughs> for those things. <laughs> uh, so um uh but a friend of mine had like an extra one or something and yeah. uh, passed one over to me. Um yeah that was super coveted <laughs> yeah. for for quite for quite a while. Um along with some of like the the rarer cards that were passing around because uh, at that point in time, um, Pokemon had not even been out for like uh, not even half a decade at that point. Yeah. So all their like their their movie premiere and their um, just all their stuff they they had all this promotional material and things that like you just can't get a hold of anymore. Um, yeah. And those were things that I was lucky enough to be around for. <laughs> so yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's I think it's like. It's one of those things that's just so funny to see because like as a kid too, one, I didn't understand collection collecting stuff. Like it didn't like I my brain couldn't process like a long-term investment of that kind. Mm-hmm. Like I had football cards, baseball cards, uh, Pokemon cards, magic cards, all from like 
those that time as a kid and i have i couldn't tell you where they are now um they're, they're probably honestly probably got thrown away uh like the gold plated um little pokemon thing um we just like we just played with it so like it just got worn like the gold plating yeah, started to come yeah. off uh we didn't we didn't save it i don't it was not good <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to know as like yeah. a kid. Like, I don't know where half of that stuff is anymore. Um, yeah, no idea. I mean, like, uh, it's it's funny because like for the trading card game, uh, at least for Pokemon, uh, mm. they advertise it as um, six and up in terms mm. of like the the age range. Um, but I used to, as a job, teach um, the Pokemon trading card game to kids and and other people. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, and I just couldn't recommend people to bring their six-year-olds to play this game. No. Because it had it had so much reading involved. It had so much math involved. You had to understand um engines, game <laughs> engines, in order to yeah. like under and probability in yeah. order to understand how to play this game. And I was just like, I didn't even learn how to play this game till like I was like at least in high school or something. Then I was like, yeah. oh wait, no, there's an actual game here. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it it really didn't work like we we quickly abandoned the game the card game uh we had the cards but we we my brother and i and our friends like abandoned the card game um at that point though like you could play it on game boy and then they also made an arena version of it that you could play on nintendo 64 yeah uh, which was pretty incredible because that like then have like full like 3d models we would just lose our mind like being able to like see all of these um back then there was only 150 pokemon because i'm old i have no idea how many there are now it's got to be in the thousands oh i mean the new game comes out and this will date the episode but uh it, it comes out in uh eight days and that's mm. gonna put us uh over a thousand at Jeez. this point yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how 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 is ash collecting them all uh I that's mean, what i want to know they stop they stop they stop with that tagline years ago <laughs> yeah they like realized it's, that it's just not gonna happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so funny yeah so yeah i mean i i think like that's such a great gateway though and it still is like in a lot of ways like you said like teaching game engines and teaching all this different stuff so like um at what point then do you get transitioned into learning about uh teacher rpgs yeah, so uh, that came much, much later. So po Pokemon has definitely been a constant in my life. Um, and that had been the introduction to, uh, like, animation. I mean, there's still, like, Disney. Like, that's, that's the thing you put on for, you know, kids. But um, other than that, uh, that got me into entertainment media. But um, the tabletop RPG stuff came, I think, my first jump into it was in high school for me um and i had a couple different uh, two different experiences where um my, one of my friend's uncle ran us like a very quick like one shot like a, a i think it was pretty recent after like fifth edition had come out mm -hmm. um and we played through that uh just a very short little thing um and it was mostly role play um i had a blast um and then a friend of mine um then introduced me to pathfinder first edition mm. uh 
And so I played through that, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is very similar. So I kind of experienced both of those things at the same time as yeah. they were beginning to compete with each other. Yeah. Um. So I didn't really have like any preference for either one, and mm. I didn't know that there was like a whole like people that thought one way about one game or the other. Like I didn't know about the history of these games at all. Yeah. Um, I just thought like, okay, this is interesting if somebody can run it for me because I don't really understand it very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't really until um, later when I got into college um, and I had like a, a couple of like short things run for me uh, that I was able to play in, um, mostly Pathfinder again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up working at a game store uh which led to so many things i mean i think that is really what got me here in like the tabletop rpg space is working at that game store um because not only did i work there for like almost four years um i i established the entire pokemon community there um, because it was non-existent Mm -hmm. um until i showed up and was like hey you guys could be making money you know that right like do you understand (laughs) that like pokemon is the is the highest grossing like ip in the world did you know that okay anyway um and but (laughs) there was a you know there's a big focus on tabletop rpgs there and i was just like okay i now have access to a ton of tabletop rpg books like not just D or pathfinder uh that was how i learned about all a bunch of other systems um but uh there was sort of a new initiative at the store that was just like hey we run a run some like new player tables and like get people introduced to DD. And I was like, well, uh I'd be new to GMing, but if you're gonna pay me, I will be a professional GM if you want. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so uh they did do that. Um and I think that uh just kind of deciding to do that uh made me fall in love with like role playing games because um teaching new players and it was really important for me to make it a good experience Mm -hmm. um for them because my intro to it was a little weird and a little rocky for interesting details that we don't need to go over Mm. but it was so important to me um because this was i think this was like just when like actual play podcasts were getting popular um and i was like aware of them yeah. And I was like managing like the okay, uh, how do I make this an experience that is going to give you a slice of uh, everything that you can get in a high fantasy setting? So I completely like people recommending like oh yeah just just do this adventure path or just do this 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 beginning thing and I'm just like no, that's not going to give them the the, the everything. It's not going to give them like a real taste of what you can like get out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I completely made up my own adventure that was designed to be run in four sessions. Mm. Um, and it was basically perfect, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, it, it, gave, it gave pretty much everybody what they could have wanted out of uh, like a D&D session. Um, and that was to encompass, because I, I knew when I was getting new players, um, even though I was new myself, I do this thing, uh, especially when it when it comes to like uh, this kind of content, entertainment media stuff. 
Um, yeah. Just because that's uh, pr- production is kind of my background. I have a weird background in like production, public speaking, and visual arts development. I, I'm a little, little all over the place. Um, <laughs> but um, I knew I was going to get people, um, and I was proven right. I got people that just knew nothing about the game. So I needed to make sure it was accessible for people who knew nothing. Um, yeah. Then I also needed to know how to manage the people who came here because of Critical Role. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I need to be able to temper expectations. Um, but also, I'm not going to be boring just because uh, I am a voice actor. And I do do a lot when I GM, just mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. Um, and then there was going to be the people who researched super, super hard before mm-hmm. coming here. And I'm just like, okay, cool. I'm going to subvert your expectations um, by not actually using any of the snap blocks. So uh, <laughs> I, I made sure that the adventure gave everybody a little bit of something. Starts with a, starts with a mystery and combat. Uh, gets to go to taverns, arenas, and guilds. There's travel sections, and you get to go to magic shops. Uh, there's a reoccurring villain in that uh, campaign that they, you know, can get frustrated over. Um, they get framed for crimes they didn't commit, uh, and there's a lot of social interactions and choices that they can make. Um, and I end it with a dungeon and a dragon. Yeah. That's that's the thing. That's the thing. And none of the adventures I was being passed, they're just like, yeah, this is great for beginners. I'm like, okay, but there's no dungeon or dragon in this. That's what <laughs> people came here for. Yeah. Um, and after I think my first successful run of that, I was like, oh yeah, I want to do this. Like this yeah. is gonna be what I do. Um, whether it's uh making the stuff in the background, um, or if it's uh just GMing for people, or if it's playing it, I don't really care how I'm involved, I just want to be involved. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's so good. Uh and I mean I think like that's such a great way to approach it too, because it's true, it is you know, though a lot of those adventures are set for a specific thing, they're made for people who generally are already playing the game right like you have like beginner boxes for both pathfinder and for D D. um but yeah it is still like a limited experience um and i think that that's such a good thing to do to give somebody the opportunity to see like these are the different facets of these fantasy tgrpgs when you're done with this now you can know like oh i really love this part and i don't love this part or i love all this stuff and i hope that i get to do all this stuff in my games or whatever like i think that's such a great thing um because for me i just really like when i wanted to play i was like man, i just want to fight something like i just want to build a strong character and fight something and then as i watched more shows and i got to play more games i'm like i just want to be in an intense situation honestly i just want to like fucking role play that so hard yeah Um, yeah yeah and getting to have those moments of like heavy role play in intense situations was really fulfilling for me. And I think that I wouldn't have known that if I didn't have the chance to like see that experience. So I think that that's really great that you took the time to like figure out how to make this work, especially as, as young as you were at the time. I mean, you're still super young right now, but like, yeah, you know, but like, it, you know, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I was, yeah, it was, it was also, uh, it was also like a, it was an interesting time for me. I was getting out of like a lot of like uh, a lot of shit at that point, mm-hmm. and this was like really pulling me out of it. 
Yeah. Um, so it was, it was also, it was healing for me as well. So yeah. I, I'm very glad that it, uh, for, at least from what I was told, it, it also like helped a lot of other people, um, you know, find something. Um, and that, that was the important thing for me as well, because, um, uh, like you said, like when you experience more of it, uh, and you find out that you can do so many different things, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a, just a completely new avenue for just like exploring uh, like yourself and your expression. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I used it. Um, and that's kind of how I use it now as well. Yeah. Um, because now that I've been doing this for a little bit longer um, and I've said this to like a lot of people, my, my favorite character or, or type of, of thing that I want to convey when I'm playing these games is I want to be uh, a horrible woman. I want to be I want to be a woman that makes people uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, because uh, I exist as a woman who makes people uncomfortable. Mm. Not everybody, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Um, but like, uh, if we're talking about society. I make people uncomfortable, um, and I want to explore that. Um, and tabletop RPGs really give me a way to uh, do that in a way that manifests in fantastical ways, um, mm-hmm. but also ways that, um, at least I hope, other people can relate to and understand. Yeah. Um, and like my relationship with womanhood is weird. Um, actually, the easiest way for me to explain it is for audience go watch episode 69 nice with uh joe and you will basically understand how i feel about it because yeah. joe and i have very similar feelings about um what it means uh to be a woman and like what that means and like just playing with it mm-hmm. um what it means and tabletop rpgs let me do that basically yeah um, and it's fantastic. It doesn't really matter what setting it is. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that that's so great and so important to, to, to do and to be able to have the opportunity to do that. Um, how old were you when you were running those games at the game store? How old was I? Oh my goodness. Um, I was probably around 20, maybe 21 around there. Yeah. If you're willing to talk about this, like were you yeah. was gender expression and identity something that you were working through or processing or experiencing in a different way at that age? Yeah, so it was um that is something that I had that I have been processing for a long time. Uh mm-hmm. I started processing like thinking about that and making moves to express myself the way that I wanted to. Um Back in high school, I think, uh, honestly, towards the end of my sophomore year, it hit, mm. um, and I scrambled to try to make myself feel comfortable, basically. Yeah. Uh, and it was, and this was uh, me in college at this point, um, and I had gotten um, a lot of things uh, set up um, to make sure that, like. Uh, I had like everything ready to go so that like everything was official. Like I had like a official name change and everything and um, I was on hormones by then. And, but this was like my first time I was like living 
uh, apart from my family. Mm. Um, and I was kind of just free to just express myself however I wanted within yeah. like the restrictions of what I had available available to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, like tabletop RPGs, when I wasn't able to do that, I had that. Yeah. Um, and nobody questioned it. Like it didn't matter how anybody saw me at the at the time. Um, when I was like quietly going through some of this stuff, mm-hmm. um, I could just say like, "Yeah, I'm I'm playing this. Um, I'm playing this fighter who is uh, she is this uh woman that everybody loves. She's hot shit. She's like super sexy. Um, but she's a liar. Everything mm-hmm. that she's ever done is a lie. And she's trying and she's just trying so hard." Uh, not to let anybody find out about her, and people are just like, "You could just be the folk hero. You can just, you could just." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. She has to be like bad. No, she has to be the in the wrong. I want her to work through that. Yeah. I, I want people to find out that she's lying and horrible, but also I still want her to be redeemable, mm-hmm. or if not redeemable, be okay with being, uh." just not great and some of my other characters are monsters and it's just like i don't want them to be redeemed from being monsters i want them to find love and acceptance despite being a monster yeah yeah that's really cool i'm curious too like you know as you're running those games for people do you feel like you had the um the freedom to like introduce you know, trans characters or um, queer characters, things like that for the players at the table? Like, do you feel like you had at that game store the ability to say, like, I'm going to introduce that diverse and inclusive set of people to these groups and and gods be damned? Yes, that was actually the most exciting part about it because I was in charge. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, when this was... Well, I guess this wasn't part of it. It was just that was just me. But we we kind of had an initiative to make the, this gaming space more inclusive mm. um, because previously it just really wasn't. Yeah. Um, and uh, at, at one point, uh, it's unfortunate because it's not that way anymore. Um, mm. After um, after the pandemic, uh, store owner freaked out and just it was a mess. It was a whole mess. Yeah. Um, but at the time. Um, there were uh, a lot of trans people working there, um, a lot of people of color working there. And uh, so for that game in particular that I ran for new players, um, I didn't ha- I didn't even have to be very explicit about it. Yeah. Um, it there, there was this uh, plot point where um, basically at the start, uh, there was a princess who had been missing, but had recently been uh, found and rescued. Um, by uh, a knight, and uh, the knight was also a woman. And like, I had, I had players continuously rolling insight checks to try to figure out what was going on between those two without <laughs> yeah. me even being very explicit about it. Um, <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay, I get to describe how like nervous this knight is right now, and yeah. like, I get to describe like these little, you know, just the little things that like people who care about each other and like people who are in love do um and uh part of the plot point also was that the prince went missing um and uh right when the princess came back and uh you they could find out if they investigate enough that 
in the time that the princess had gone, uh, the princess cut her hair, but the prince grew out his hair. Mm. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it was really an attempt to recapture the princess again, but yeah. it, just because the prince decided to uh, be uh, the the prince was a little bit more um, feminine. Um, in uh, his presentation, uh, the kidnappers mistook him for his sister. <laughs> yeah. Um, at least that's uh, that's what they that's what the plot uh, kind of that's how it kind of goes. But um, yeah, it it was great because um, uh, I had I didn't know, but mm. I I just ended up having some like queer folks at the at the table. Yeah. Um, and I just got to watch them like geek out about the fact that there were there were queer people in this story um and i mean that's i mean that's kind of the goal at the end of the day is that they these like people want to be able to to see themselves even in even in these fantasy settings and stuff like that and i mean you know how it is right now and how rough (laughs) it is yeah (laughs) yeah seriously i i know so to today today um, the Dragon Age trailer came out for our, the new TV show on Netflix. Yes, and I am a Dragon Age fan, um, but I'm also I also have problems with it uh, as an IP too. And the biggest thing is like I went to my game store and I was like, oh my god, they made a Dragon Age TTRPG. And I opened the book, and there were no people of color in the TTRPG book, um, yeah. which is super disappointing. Like, and I had. Uh, people try to have this discourse with me on Twitter about it. And it's like, you may not care because you see yourself everywhere, but like literally to love something where you can play in the game, in the video game as a POC and to see that they didn't take the time to like include you in the game is it hurts. So I I did not buy the game um, (laughs) and I don't know if I will, uh, but I really do. I still want to play in the world. Anyway, all that to say the cast for the new cartoon is actually diverse and um and it's very exciting uh the leading woman is a black woman and i think that that's fucking so good um so yeah like having those moments of like here's a thing that i love and somebody took the time to make sure that i would also feel included in that like that's the best yeah Yeah. i mean it and it really does feel like it. I mean, it's nice when it comes from, uh, you know, the companies that are making the damn thing, because um, yeah. <laughs> we just don't get it often enough. Um, and it really it falls on us. And, uh, like that's cool and fine. Like we want to make those spaces and we want to have those spaces, and so mm. we need to be the ones making them. But it's so tight. Like, aren't you tired? Of having to do it yourself, like when are we gonna have? Yeah, when are we gonna be able to just see ourselves there? Um, and yeah, it, 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 it's always it's always weird when uh we have to like be explicit about it because it's not presented in mm-hmm. like book, and then like uh me being a uh being a mixed kid, um. And seeing how like the dragon game treats mixed mm-hmm. race characters, yeah, it's like, woo, yeah. this is 
not good, gamers. Um, no, no, it really isn't. <laughs> this is not good, but some talented folks who do not get paid to do this slap something together, throw it, uh, throw it up for like five bucks, mm-hmm. solve the problem with like a patchwork thing, and it's just like, yeah, it can't be that hard. It, it really can't. We're right here. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like one, you have like. They, there are content creators out there who are doing it um, and doing it well, and I think that that's important. But I think the problem that I see, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of uh, anger in my heart for D and D today specifically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I think like a big part of that too is like I feel like they just know, like, well, we can just put it out. People are going to buy it because it's brand, and people there's also a large community of people who are content creators who literally make money to sell stuff to fix our game. So why fix it? Um, the other thing is, is like, we both play Pathfinder 2E. Yeah. Uh, Pathfinder 2E has it. And like, yeah. it's, you all use the same <laughs> open source material. Like, just borrow the idea and credit Paizo and move forward. Um, and the fact that they refuse to do that and then try to do things that are like, this is something that Pathfinder 2E already does. You're just not going to talk about it Mm -hmm. really drives me nuts. Yeah. That would require them to give credit to anybody (laughs) but themselves though. That would be too much. No, honestly, like seriously, like I know people are afraid of Pathfinder 2E because of like the crunch Mm -hmm. and like, I understand. Uh, it's a lot. It's a, it is a lot of bookkeeping. It's a lot of like feature overload. Um, yeah, I I understand that. Um, it's still worth it though. Like yeah. honestly, like if that is the settings, those are the kinds of settings that you like to play. Those are the types of games that you like to play. It gives you it. It really does give you everything you want. It really yeah. does. <laughs> and it's really like it really isn't that bad. It's just you're adding bigger numbers. Like I normally I don't normally look stuff up, but I just want to like say this on the thing because I think it just drives me nuts. I have a character. In an upcoming show, my character is currently third level. Uh, stop. I have a plus 10 in acrobatics. I'm just going to go down this because I'm not going to name them all, but like these are the numbers that I have as a, as a level three. Plus 10, plus 9, plus 5, plus 9, plus 5, plus 9, plus 6, plus 6, plus 9, <laughs> plus 6, plus 9, plus 8, plus 6, plus 9. Uh, and then the other ones that I didn't mention are zeros because I just didn't train in them. Um, like that's so fucking cool to roll that number to be a third level character and roll a thirty on something, um, like that's great. Like that's fun, and I think there are a ton of options, but there's also like ways to mitigate it. Just like there is, like with D and D Beyond, there are there's a free digital character sheet that you can use that I just literally looked up right now to find this information. Yeah, there's a um, couple of them actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just pick pick your favorite. Yeah, and so I think like. I don't know. It's tough. Like it's going to be a difficult thing. I think to move any kind of market share over, it's going to take something super drastic. Um, but also, you know, the um, satin bird woman um, still has sixty thousand followers on Twitter. So people pretend like they care about stuff, but then they don't actually care. Yeah. So yeah, it it is what it is, and like, uh. And I also, like, I don't want to tell people to, like, 
uh, don't play this game that you're comfortable with because you've right. been playing it forever. Uh, just you know, be critical about the stuff that you're consuming. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to be critical. Yeah, it's okay to be critical, and like you don't. It's it's not a. It's, a lot of people think that's like a negative thing to be critical about the stuff you think. Mm. Um, but I think it's really important to be critical about the stuff that you enjoy. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, uh, I don't know. Blind consumption is. Ooh, that's that's a choice. That is a choice yeah. that you make. Um, and I think it gives it gives you the opportunity to gauge the integrity of the company, and it gives them the opportunity to say like, "Oh shit, we fucked up. Let's fix it." Um, and months later, <laughs> yeah, or years later, <laughs> in today's case, um, yeah, I think it's you definitely have to like. As a game designer, that's something I think about a lot of like, did I do this in a way that is going to offend anybody? Um, and and unintentionally, like I'm not a bigoted person. Like I don't go out of my way to be like, you know, fuck you to whomever. Like I just, sometimes we grow up with biases that we aren't aware of and we write things that we, that are harmful and we have to consider that. And so I think about it all the time. And I also think about like, okay, well, what would you do if you did? Like, what is your reaction going to be if you did fuck up? And I think it's important to have that conversation with yourself and know, like, okay, if I did do that, like, what is my process? How am I going to do this? How do I take care of it? How do I make sure that people understand that I genuinely made a mistake, did not know, and I'm willing to take the time to fix that? Um, yeah, it's it comes from a place of, like, wanting to grow, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, wanting to learn. Uh, I, I can't imagine not wanting to be welcoming in a space that you enjoy. Um, mm. why, why wouldn't you want more people to also feel comfortable and uh, enjoy themselves in, in, in a place that uh, you can both find joy in? Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, as a game designer, it's something that you just got to pay attention to. And there's no, there's no way for you to be conscious about every single thing right. um, that you could possibly uh, make an offense towards mm -hmm. um and like uh like i only recently like this past year really got into um like actually designing games myself um yeah and like i've got like two that are just basically just still like a big work in progress um because like wow when you finally like sit down and actually try to like make one of these things it's just like <laughs> so much Whoa. work wow this is this is wild, and I'm I'm literally sitting here looking at a first draft of a thing that I did. I was like, "Wow, this is really bad. I can't believe I just <laughs> released this. This is not playable, uh, and and not even in a way that I have to like worry about how anyone's gonna think about it. You just can't even play this. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, that's what being in the space is mm. you're learning all the time and there's new games to learn from all the time that is great yeah play more other games play more games that just play more games in general play more yeah. games that are not the big ones mm -hmm. um because they change the way you think about the big ones yeah um and even if you still want to play the big ones Maybe you can take a little something from the other games that you played, drop it in there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the best example of that is a show that you and I both love, 
and that's transplanter. Absolutely. And Connie is the fucking best GM. And he uses rules that come from other games or looks at something and goes, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. I'm just going to do it this way. And those moments in those games are better for it. Um, because D and D is a game that everybody knows, but it's like, it's not built for everything. And some of the things that it, some of the ways it tries to have used the mechanics are just like, this is a way that can work, but it's not the best way for this to work. Um, and everybody knows it. Uh, <laughs> some, some people take the time to like, okay, we're, we're going to do it this way instead. <laughs> this is a good improvement. Yeah, I mean, I really think you should. Uh, it, it's funny. Um, actually, me getting into this, uh, the the tabletop RPG like scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that really got me here, um, was actually a I was writing five E mechanics for a supplement. Okay. Um, I was working on Action Fiction's uh, Chromatic Gamut. Uh, and they brought me on because uh, it. It's a, it's kind of a it's a comedy supplement, um, but also this was like this was an important one for them because they wanted it to be completely um, queer led, um, queer like run organized created completely a hundred percent. Everybody in the company that was not uh, queer took a backseat. We're just like yeah. yeah, we're funding this, but this is going to be made by you guys, mm-hmm. um, and that was important to them. And uh, my my audition my audition. Uh, this was an audition. I it was uh, I submitted a piece, and they were just like, "Yeah, just write a uh, write a magic item for us." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Um, then they were like, "Yeah, something that would like really like represent like the the queer experience and like translate it into the tabletop RPG uh, space." I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, so my submission for it was a magic item called Enemies to Glovers, mm. um, that were magical gloves uh, that you can put on. And you can choose whether to be uh, basically the person that pushes people away or the person that is yearning for another person. Uh, and it had different effects based on that. And they were just like, hey, we need you for this book. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so uh, I got to meet a bunch of cool people um, via that. Um, and it was funny how uh, I actually stayed on that project because I came there for writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'll just... I'll just write some uh, some monsters, some magical items, or whatever. I ended up writing most of the monsters in that book. Nice. Um, and then uh, I also ended up doing a little bit of narrative design. Um, and I just uh, I'm a visual artist first and foremost. It's not mm-hmm. like the bulk of what I do anymore, but yeah. I still do it. So I I sketch the things that I'm writing, and I was just like, hey, like this is kind of what I was thinking. So you guys have like a thing, and they're like, uh, Gwen, this is concept art. So we're gonna make you a concept artist for some of our stuff. Um, and like, if you could just pass this along to our other artists, and I was like, okay, cool. Um, and they're like, wait, yeah, you are an artist. Do you just want to be part of the art team? Um, and I was just like, oh yeah, no, sure. Uh, yeah, I'll t- I could do that. And then they're just like, oh yeah, hey, we're gonna do like a an interview advertisement for this. Do you, do you want to be one of the people on there? And I was like, yeah, sure, I could do an interview. Uh, because they're like, yeah, we want to talk about um some of the subclasses that you wrote. And yeah. I was like, eh, okay. Um, and, uh, just through there and, uh, meeting those people experiencing every like process that you could, Mm -hmm. um, in like designing and doing art for and being on camera for and playing it. Um, I was just like, okay. Uh, 
yeah, that's how I got here. It was actually more design work before performance and then just falling in love with performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's so cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, it's really fun to see that happen. Um, Cause I know like sometimes it can be like that. It's just like Michelle Jones, she's a freelance writer f- uh, for Paizo. I've had her on the show and she, I think she, her first one was like, making a magic item too and now she's like written up an adventure for them um and i think that's such a fun like progression right especially in the way that yours happened it was just like bam 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 bam. um but it's true like if you have all those skills like that it's so it one it adds a lot of work to you uh but if you're okay with that and you're enjoying it like it's not it's not a bad thing um i've learned that recently in making my game i'm like well okay i'm making this game i'm gonna do it all myself i also don't have any money um i guess i can do a real layout so that i i learned how to do a layout and then i was like ah, i guess i should put some art here because some of this like the way the layout's made like there's these blank spots and i just can't let it be so yeah. like i guess i'll do some art <laughs> you, you are better than me because i have been pushing back doing the layout for my game uh, wander the dungeon for mm-hmm. so long but i've just been like nitpicking the mechanics and i'm i've almost fine-tuned it to a point where i'm pretty happy with it but now i'm just like now i have to make it look nice <laughs> and graphic design is not my passion i i love drawing i, lo- I love doing uh illustration and certain like uh rps and things but graphic design mm. is not my passion um but yeah i mean sometimes yeah. you got to do it all yourself um <laughs> Yeah, but, I'm sure if a graphic designer when when a graphic designer looks at this book, they're gonna be like, um, "Pay me to fix this." <laughs> but I think it looks good enough to release. So exactly, I mean, you've <laughs> got to start somewhere, and yeah. like, it's the I mean, experience is the best way to learn. Yeah, um, that is just how it is, and that's that's kind of how I feel. Um, getting into doing uh, stuff like this, like um, mm-hmm. like this interview and stuff. Um, like we didn't even really get into like the same circles until, um, I met Joe and cleric, um, <laughs> and they were just like, Hey, want to be on MFA? And I was just like, y- like, I was just like, you don't actually understand how mu- how badly I want to be there because before, before they asked me, they didn't know. Um, well, I, I applied to be there. I talked to them first, um, yeah. but they didn't know that, um, I previously had hosted, I think it was it was either 2019 or 2020, like right before the pandemic hit, I had hosted um a panel uh about monster fucking. Um <laughs> and I developed theories about it. I developed yeah. six theories about it. Um, which is I had I had been scouring the internet for like anything on this, and I was like, nobody's done anything on this, nobody's done research on this. That means I have to do it. Yeah. Um and so I like came to them with that and they're just like, oh wow, okay. Um, but then uh, you know, that's how we ended up in the nameless domain. And I was just floating around in there for like a while. <laughs> yeah. Um and and that's how we got into the same circles. But uh I kind of just jumped off into the deep end, at least with like performing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um because I, I just jumped into like a charity stream. Yeah. Uh, actually with Michelle. Uh, Michelle was running it. Um, we oh, we okay. actually yeah. we actually go way back. Um, <laughs> and, I love Michelle. And uh, Michelle is great. And I was just like, okay, yeah, like if you're running it, and um, I know she had her um, her new uh, thirsty store lesbian playbook um, mm-hmm. that I did art for. Hee hee. Um, yeah. 
And I was like, I want to play this on a show so that people can see your thing. Um, And I just landed. It was just supposed to be, it was just supposed to be like, you know, it was a charity thing. I had never done this before. Mm -hmm. I had never been on a stream. Um, I was so nervous. I didn't know anybody but Michelle. Um, And then I uh, ended up in this cast with um, Vic and Sam and Hamna. And uh, we played the game. And when it was over, we were just like, did y'all like feel that? Did did you guys like feel how good that felt? Yeah. Uh, Like we need to keep, we need to keep, talking yeah. uh, we need to talk about this um <laughs> and that kind of gave me like the confidence boost to start like reaching out to people and poking people and getting into these spaces yeah. um because uh my, i think my love for performance was always like there yeah um, i just didn't know that this was like an avenue for it um because uh, when i went into uh, t- uh i went to art school uh um i have thoughts and feelings about that but yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> But um, I was so convinced when I went to art school that I was going to be a behind-the-scenes person. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, yeah, I'll do concept art. Maybe I'll work, may- work my way up to art director. Um, and and I, just, I just want my name in the credits. I don't really want to do the big, the big polished, finished stuff. I don't really want to be the face of things. Um, but I think I had been like suppressing uh, feelings of speaking in front of people mm-hmm. um, because I was always the kind of kid in school where I would go to a teacher and be like, hey, I know you want us to like write a paper. Can I do a presentation instead? Or can I do like a little, can I grab like four other people and we do like a little performance instead? Can we do a little song or something mm-hmm. instead? Make it like learning fun. Can we do that? Um, and then I was also in marching band. Um, and my first year doing it, um, my band got into Bands of America, which was like a big deal. Um, and I was just on a field in front of hundreds of people. Um, and like everyone was nervous. And I was just looking up into this like sea of people came mm-hmm. that just came to watch us um, and see us perform. And I was like, oh, I feel weirdly calm. Yeah. I feel like weirdly <laughs> like I am supposed to be here. These yeah. people are here to watch me. They want to watch me. I mean, of course, everybody else, but like, I'm here and I'm going to give them a show. Um, So I think it took until now to really look at that feeling and be like, I want to give people a show. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, TTRPG performing especially is, is kind of a special thing, at least the way I feel like, because it is like one, like, yes, you are playing a game and you have to understand the mechanics and to an extent and things like that. And like, it is like, random but then there's the other aspect of like improvisation and how that ties in when you're dealing with a group of people um and and everybody's doing their own thing and you're all being led in this direction and uh yeah it is it's so fun and so special and i think like it's really cool that it's become an avenue for so many people myself included for um like kind of expressing that performance performative aspect of it um but yeah i think that that's great like it's it's cool i think i if i remember correctly and you could tell me if i'm wrong because uh but michelle talked about that i think it was that specific 
game we were talking about like because i move a lot in my chair um and she was like yeah she's like i think like for most of the production i was like just turned sideways and halfway out of the frame <laughs> uh but yeah i mean it's tough like it's you know there's so many things to it and now as it continues to grow like it just gets bigger and bigger um but i'm curious then too because like so you didn't do any theater in school or anything like that no yeah so that is the thing um the thing that i did in high school was marching band i was on the drum line um i was bass captain um so it wasn't like it wasn't acting it was a weird pseudo music sport situation. Yeah. Um, which is like, honestly way more, uh, physically taxing that it is like creatively, mm-hmm. uh, taxing. Um, yeah. and, uh, all of my like performance type things that I did, um, was of my own volition. Um, like I said, it was in the classrooms. Um, it was, um i don't know just being goofy it was it was don't we not um <laughs> uh it was getting into tabletop arcades. um and it was it was getting it was in spaces where i thought i i was comfortable in in doing that um but like i wasn't in theater i didn't go into any sort of clubs or extracurricular things for for acting um I just kind of had a a knack for it, um, particularly voice acting, um, which is not something I actually seriously considered until recently. Um, uh, like only recently did I get into like a, a queer vox acting class, yeah. um, which was a fantastic experience. Um, I'm I was so grateful for being in that class. Um, I learned so much just in the span of like a month, mm. and it. Again, it was something that I had always have already been doing. I just didn't know how to like hone in on it, mm-hmm. um, or like I, I didn't know where to look in terms of like how how do I like do this for people? Like I I want people to be able to hear my voice, yeah. Um, and it also made me feel comfortable with my voice, which is something that I didn't uh, used to be. Right. Um, and so tabletop RPGs and stuff like that, uh definitely made me feel comfortable there um and also part of um like the performance piece and um not uh like having any like formal training in it um mm-hmm. was that it's really important for me um that uh i make things funny yeah. uh <laughs> i almost every uh okay here just as an example when i was in college my last year in college um, I was tasked with um, basically selling myself. Um, I had to present what I did and mm-hmm. um, who I was and all this stuff. It was basically the first thing for this for this particular class. And I was like, okay, I kind of have a public speaking background um, uh, just because of the stuff that I did in high school. Um, I yeah. had some like weird like business classes that made me present things a lot. <laughs> um, and it was kind of a blur to me when I was doing it. Um, so it wasn't until the next day that my professor like sat down with like uh, a notebook with notes and it was, the page was full. Mm. Like I, I couldn't read it. His handwriting was terrible, but a yeah. uh, page full of notes for me. And I was just like, uh, so what you, what you think? Um, <laughs> and he was just like, uh, Gwen, do you do stand up comedy? <laughs> um, and I was just like, 
no, I've never, I've never done that before. Um, I don't even know where I would go to do that. Um, and he was just like, uh, yeah, because, uh, you started your presentation by picking up the remote to the, to like the, the, the monitor. Yeah. Um, pretending it was a microphone and asking everybody how they were doing tonight. It was 2 p.m. Um, <laughs> I was like, huh. You know, I didn't even really think about it. It just felt right. I had a captive audience. Yeah. And um, and uh, so in, in finding my voice for this kind of stuff and performance, comedy has been so important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also finding comedy in places uh, in tandem with tragedy. Um, yeah. That is also important. And I think uh, you uh, you and I definitely get it after guessing on Transplanner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just everybody making everyone really sad. Um, that was my goal <laughs> that, when yeah, I was there. Sure. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make people upset. That's what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to be really funny about it, though, because I'm going to be having a blast. Um, and I'm going to say the most absurd shit. Yeah. Um, but you're going to be stuck between the space of like, this is really funny, but also this is really sad. <laughs> um, and that is the line that I like to walk on my yeah. performances and um, everything that I've ever done in terms of um, getting here in the, the tabletop RPG space has led me to that and has helped me find that space of, yeah. this is what I want people to see. I want people to laugh and I want people to cry. Um, and that is what I want to deliver. <laughs> yeah, it's so good because like those are two obviously very powerful emotions, right? And I think like if you're at a table where you can feel safe, especially to deliver something sad, um, it's like yeah, like this this can be this can be something that we can do and tell an amazing story and it can be cathartic for not only myself but the other people at the table and the audience as well and i think that was like the thing like as i was waiting for my turn to be on the future one shot episode i'm just like watching all these performances and being like fuck like we all signed up to go through it (laughs) we all signed (laughs) up to just just really dig deep into some stuff um and then, yeah, but like, I think like that same thing, like I was like, I just want to have fun. I want to have fun. And I wanted to play with Hamna super bad. And I obviously wanted to be GM'd by Connie, like, um, and, but I knew I also wanted to get wrecked by Connie. So I was like, I don't care. Like if my character dies in this one shot, whatever, like I'm just here to just have a good time and go off. And I think like one, I already had so much trust with, with, Hamna and Connie, but also like built it with the table. And I think the process of that, like, is real that was done really well in the session zero and everything leading up to it. But I th- like, we come, we all came at it from like a common ground. And I think like that's something really special too that we can do is that in those moments when we can all say, like, like, well, what kind of session do we want to do? We want to do like a little bit of serious, a little bit of this, and like, yeah. And then we're all on board. And then you can have those moments where it's like, I'm bought in, you're bought in, we're doing this together. We're going to laugh in the beginning, and then we're going to cry. And then we'll laugh a little bit at the end, uh, and it'll just be a misery sandwich. Um, But it'll be good, and 
we, we won't know what we worked out, but we'll work. We'll have worked out something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and it was super evident, um, especially when I was watching um, your guys' uh, stream. I was just like, yeah, you guys worked this out. Like, I knew <laughs> that you guys didn't know that that stuff was going to happen. Yeah. But I knew that you guys knew what flavor you were going mm-hmm. for. Because, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I had basically the same experience. Um, where, um, you know, we had a great session zero where we talked about um you know what the vibes were mm-hmm. and uh i again i always go in saying like hey guys i want to like i'm going to be funny but i really want to make people sad and <laughs> yeah. it's like <laughs> like that's what that's kind of what i do mm-hmm. um and they're like no that's great um we were thinking goth mean girls and i was like yeah okay <laughs> um cuz what's funny is that when i came into that session 0 I had a completely different character concept, mm. so different um, from from Memoriam. Um, but then somebody said, I don't even remember who said it, was just like, yeah, goth mean girls. And I was like, oh, <laughs> never mind. Scrap everything that I just said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to play this awful woman who is super cursed, literally <laughs> and figuratively. Um, and it's going to be tragic. And then Connie gave me too much. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know that I was going to get in there that deep. Yeah. And I was, and I just had to roll with it. And I was just like, this is everything that I ever wanted. But also internally, I was like, I can't believe you're doing this to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100% the same thing. Connie's like, all right, well, you can do this thing, but you're gonna, there's going to be more damage when the thing attacks. I was like, yeah, fuck, I don't give a shit. Yeah, cool, go for it. And then the more damage went to somebody else, Connie. Um, <laughs> and I was not happy about that, but that was super smart. They are uh, fantastic. Um, but yeah, like I think like that, it's still, I mean, but again, it made for those incredible moments. And so I think like it just, you, it can't be said enough how fantastic that will feel and how amazing that is like i think you there's so many different tones you can play with in ttrpgs but that that's the thing is there's so many different people doing it right like um if you just like a comedy ttrpg like you can just go listen to dungeons daddies or you know other examples like uh but you're not gonna listen to that and be like oh this was like to the rules and very serious and so you might have to find some find that somewhere else and other places have both, right? And so I think like it's important to have like to figure out what that mix is for you as a listener and or performer if that's your thing, and like find those right tables because it the value of playing in a group that you just can do that with is like obviously incredible. Yeah, which I mean leads me to your new podcast, um, which I, you have the benefit of playing with uh, your partner also but like the rest of the cast as well like do you feel like obviously this started from a home game um but has that sense of like we're in this together and we're gonna vibe ups and downs all the way yeah so this game is very near and dear to me um it was my first venture into running a like a long-term full-scale campaign Mm -hmm. um so that is why I decided to first of all go the system that people recognize. Um, that's kind of how everybody in this group met. Um, and also to use a pre-made setting. Um, yeah. 
that's that's why we decided with Eberron. I like that setting because it's got like a little bit of like that magical technology thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just took all that stuff and I was like, okay, it's got a lot of things that I can reference. And then I'm going to mess it all up um, <laughs> and just do whatever I want. Um, and I changed a lot of stuff to fit my what my players wanted. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the reason, <laughs> it's funny, uh, the reason I even did this campaign in the first place is because I just pointed at everybody that I play with, uh, Nico and Joey, uh, Kenzie and Amihan too, um, I just pointed at all of them and I'm just like, I want to create a space for you guys mm-hmm. where you can just do you. Um, because I don't think any of them had that space before. Yeah. Um, and me with my my bit of experience from like um, you know, teaching new players and trying to do that for people that I wasn't gonna play with for a long time, but like, mm-hmm. you know, hoping that that was gonna be uh something that they can carry with them and move forward. Um but I was just like, I want to see what you guys can give me when you are comfortable and you are basically given a space where you can just do the stuff that you didn't feel like you could do anywhere else. Yeah. And, you know, it took a little while to warm up to stuff. And like, I was, you know, pretty green to GMing. I still consider myself pretty green to GMing, honestly, mm-hmm. even though it's been two years and I did it professionally. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I just feel like I'm learning stuff every day. Um, and when we're we're at this point now, uh, that like uh, it was Amihan that was just like we've been record. We at some point we started recording just for note taking purposes because yeah. everybody except me in this group has ADHD. So <laughs> it was great for them to yeah, be yeah. able to listen back and remember everything that happened and stuff instead of having to like take notes. Although uh, Nico was a fantastic note taker. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's just a lot of intrigue in that game. Yeah. And uh, they've just been trying to figure all my shit out. And almost every time they do, and I'm just <laughs> like, damn, you're so good at this. Like I made this really twisty. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's just so exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, I have, I was successful in creating a space where my players are so invested in the game that they will make insane notes, that they will go back and listen to the game again, mm-hmm. um, that they feel compelled to like make art and uh, make this like uh, this this podcast happen um, yeah. because again it was never intended for an audience, um, but uh, my my players are just so passionate about this game that they tell everybody about it and then everybody was like this sounds awesome um (laughs) i I would love to know what's going on um and you're just like you know what yeah let's let's do that like we're we're very upfront about it also like hey this is a home game um we are not you know we are not going we're not playing this game with the intention of being uh like are at our 100% performing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think I would be GMing um, uh, a little differently if that were the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, uh, we don't put any pressure on ourselves um, because, uh, again, this, this table is comfortable with each other and they're, they're all funny. They're, 
they're good at playing their characters and um we've got a lot of people confirming that for us so if people like it we're gonna keep putting it out um if we have the means to do so um and we're we're kind of shocked honestly um obviously it's not like a mind-blowing numbers or anything right off the gate we just got started um but we are all like genuinely pretty surprised at like the warm reception that we're getting because again it's just it was just a home game um that uh and i have to give credit to amihan for putting in so much work um on the editing side for for this stuff um always thank your editors (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) um and like anytime they're just like hey i need you to re-record this or i need you to like record an intro for this i'm just like on it yeah i'll do it Uh, easy uh record anything we need to record so uh yeah i mean we're we're just surprised and pleasantly so um because i don't know i this is stuff that i would like to do you know um in a more official capacity um and same for my players. My players um, are, are enjoying being out here and stuff. So, yeah, it, it's it's a world. It was a weird evolution. Um, didn't think this would ever happen. Um, but I just I am so grateful um, for my players for um, making this amazing space for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I'm so glad that this is such an amazing space for them that they want to share it with. Uh, anybody who wants to listen yeah yeah i think that's such like such an important note to end on of just that idea of creating a space that people can feel free like we see that a lot like obviously with your game uh transplaner who we talked about a lot um but also like in games i've seen a lot too where it's an all-black table because specifically i've listened to three different shows with that Mm -hmm. or four different shows with that dynamic and like the amount of just like immediate freedom that a cast has in those situations, I think is like, you know, whatever this common al- common thing that brings us together that we feel like we're being, uh, that we're constantly uh, repressing and now being able to be free about it, I think is like, that's such a great feeling um, for people. And, and, and it's so important. And, and when you can achieve that in these games, um, and share that experience with other people for them to see and also get inspired by and do things with on their own. Like, I think that's leading the space in the right direction. Um, and so I'm, I'm super excited to see more of it. And I'm, I'm glad that y'all are, are getting to the chance to do that. Yeah. I'm glad that just more people in general are getting the chance to do that because yeah. like, you're right. I mean, even from an audience perspective, like, I tune into the Strix and I'm just like, this feels oh good. Yeah, it just, it's it's food for my soul, 100. percent Yeah, absolutely. Well, amazing. Uh, this has been so good, um, and to finally like get to sit down and talk to you, and 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 thank you so much for sharing your stories. And uh, yeah, I've absolutely loved this. So, um, where can people find you? Should you want to be found? Uh. Absolutely. As I as I said, I need everybody to pay attention to me. <laughs> pay attention, um, please. So uh, you could find me uh, at glitchy underscore pixie on Twitter, um, or you can find uh, my work and other places uh, just at glitchypixie.com. Um, it's mm. got a bunch of stuff on there. It's being updated. Um, you can <laughs> listen to uh, the podcast I GM on uh, at CapriProv on Twitter. Um, we are on Spotify, we're on Apple Music, uh, we're on YouTube. Uh, 
but um if everything goes well we might end up being on twitch as well uh, yeah, um yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah listen to that um it is a good time and uh i'll be around i've got stuff planned for this next year um things things are gonna happen keep your eyes on the nameless domain <laughs> yeah absolutely oh and speaking of which um this will be on two weeks when is the tournament oh yes uh yeah, so that is going to be on the uh, the nineteenth and the twenty sixth of November. Um, the yeah, Nameless Domain Pokemon Showdown Tournament. Uh, that is uh, is for charity. Uh, so you know, come watch us. Uh, I'm going to be uh, commentating for that um, as the resident, uh, one of the resident Pokemon uh, competitive experts. Um, <laughs> hopefully, people will understand what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> We have some seriously fierce competitors. Um, it's going to be so, so wild. Um, but we have uh, Hamna and uh, Kestrel to thank for that, for organizing mm. that and putting it together. Yeah. Um, and it's it's going to be a time. Uh, I think it's going to be really, really fun. <laughs> yeah. When this comes out, if, you have, if you've missed the first episode or whatever, watch the VOD and then catch it the next weekend for the second part. Um, because yeah, uh, the nameless domain is my home discord server. Um, it is where I spend the most time. Um, and I love it. Yeah. And I've loved this. This has been so good. Thank you so much again for, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I know we've been in sitting here in the nameless domain and we've barely had time to talk to each other. So this has been (laughs) great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show, and if you like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. Until next time.